You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. This morning, as uh, we continue in, in the book of Ephesians in the series Battleground, I think you'll find that there's some truths that we can find in Ephesians in the talk that we're going to be going through today. And um, at Venture Church, we like to say that we look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And so this morning, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be going into the book of Ephesians and uh, just learning about God and, and his love for us. And if you don't have a Bible this morning or didn't bring one, there should be some scattered around throughout your seats. If not, there's an app on your phone that you can find called uh, the Bible app or version. Um, and, and search that. It's a really great app. It's got reading plans, all kinds of cool stuff. I really encourage you to check it out. Feel free to get it out and be on your phone um, during the service. I don't care. It's cool. As long as you're reading the Bible. If not, then you will be judged. Um, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't been with us the past two weeks, let me just catch you up to speed. Um, just in case you missed last week, we talked about how we once, we were dead in our sin and transgressions, but in Christ, he makes us alive in him. And we talked about God's great uh, mercy and his grace. Chris talked about that a lot, about how God's grace, it's a free gift. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. But God's like, I love you. You're my children. I'm going to give you grace and I'm going to give you love. And with that thought in mind, that's where, where Chris ended last week. We're going to jump right into the, to the passage right behind it. So we ended on Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We're today going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. So let's just read that together. I'm going to start in verse 11 and verse 12, Ephesians chapter 2. Here we go. Therefore, all that, keep it in mind, we are made alive in Christ. There's grace, there's mercy. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So Paul, after ending all that good news, he, he just wants to remind these people, the, the writers, or to the readers, he's saying, remember that formerly you were Gentiles. Back in the day in the, in the first century when this letter was written, to the Jews, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So they called you. If you're, if you're not with the Jews in their, in their group, you're a Gentile. The word Gentile actually literally translates to nations. And so they literally meant, okay, there's us, there's, we're the Jews, and then there's everyone else. There's the nations and the Gentiles. And uh, what's, what's funny to think is, too, is that the Jews weren't the only group of people that did this. In fact, the Romans did it as well. If, if you weren't a Roman, if you weren't a part of their group, you were considered a non-citizen. And likewise, with the Greeks, if you're not a Greek, you're a barbarian. And in ancient culture, they normally had worldviews of just, it's us and them. It's our people group and it's everybody else. It's the 300, this is Sparta, and then it's everybody else. And uh, it's kind of like the uh, iPhone and MacBook users. We're like, all right, all Apple, everything. And look at those droid users over there. Psh, they don't know where it's at. We got the iCloud, we got the iMap and iLife and all other i stuff. <laughs> but uh, but Paul, Paul speaks straight to that. He says, remember at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were away. You were excluded. Verse 12, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You weren't welcomed. 
But now, this is where it gets good. We go to verse 13 right here. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Take, that, uh, take verse 14, the dividing wall of hostility, just stick in your back pocket, all right? We once were far away. Um, in, uh, when I was growing up um, back in Greenville, North Carolina, I had two friends that I hung out with uh, mostly. It was Jay and Brendan, and we would hang out all the time. It was like every weekend, every weekday that my mom would let me if I didn't have schoolwork. Um, I would hang out with these, these two guys, and uh, at Jay's house, it was the coolest experience because he just had like open fields, wide open fields. He lived in the middle of nowhere. It's called Pactolis. Probably never of you guys have heard of it. Anybody heard of Pactolis? Okay, there's a couple. Sweet. Pactolis. Woo! I like it. All right, that's good. Um, but uh, he lived in the middle of Pactolis, in the middle of nowhere. And we could just ride four-wheelers and dirt bikes and go shoot guns anytime we wanted to. And it was awesome. We didn't hurt anybody, I promise. Maybe once. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but it was so cool because Jay knew everybody. It's like that place where you have, like, the one house and there's, like, two others. But then, like, five miles down the street, you're like, oh, yeah, that's my Uncle Johnny. And then we got uh, Billy down the road. He's, I'm related to him, too. So we got about... Let's say uh, 2,000 acres, just all to ourselves. Maybe not 2,000. That's big. I don't know how big an acre is. But um, <laughs> I'll just use that term for now. Anyways, it's a large sum of land, all right? And we just roam it all the time and hang out. But although I remember those times of just hanging out with him and his immediate family, some of the coolest experiences to join him in a family re- reunion like, my family, uh, we get together for Thanksgiving and, and sometimes Christmas, like, outside with my aunts and uncles. But, Jay, it's like, it's like almost every month. They're like, hey, let's get the boys down. Let's go, uh, let's go pig picking. Anybody heard of pig, pig picking? Anybody? Woo! It's where you take a big pig, and you put it on a grill, and you cook it, and you eat it. It's great. There's, like, country food, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, green beans, and now I'm getting hungry, and I'm going to hurry up so we can get a lunch. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, uh, it was the coolest experience because I wasn't related to him. Like I was, I was his friend, of course. I, I went to church with him and hung out with him. But at the family reunion, it was it's like I was, I was their own. Like every aunt and uncle, like they didn't know me, but they just introduced themselves, started a conversation, and just welcomed me with open arms. And it was it was a cool experience to get some of that um, southern hospitality. And um, when when Paul is talking about we once were separated, excluded without hope, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near. It feels good. You, you once were excluded, and I know I wasn't ever excluded from that family, but maybe you have a time of just like, I just didn't feel welcomed. I just, I didn't feel invited. And what's crazy to think, so we go to verse 13, and Paul says, you who were once far away have been brought near. In the first century, like, like I said before, there's, there's a lot of segregation but what's cool is the only place you would find a mixture of male, female, rich, poor, slave-free, Jew, Gentile, would be in the church of Jesus Christ. And this group of people were, were so like any other. They were inviting anyone and everyone saying, hey, come on, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you act like. Just come be a part of what we're doing. We're welcoming you with open arms. And it was so unlike all these other people groups who were just, it's us and them, they got a name for themselves. It's called Christian. One devoted to Christ. This was new to that century. This was, this was God's plan for the church to be this way. And after all this separation of being excluded and unwelcomed, 
they're brought near by the blood of Christ and the church. What a beautiful thing. And so take that verse, verse 14, put it, pull it out of your back pocket. Go back. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility? You know, this wall, this dividing wall is actually a real thing. In the Temple of Jerusalem, I think we have a picture of it. We'll put it on the screen right here. It's an actual wall in front of the Temple of Jerusalem. And translated, this is what it said. Check this out. Any Gentile, remember, you're not Jew, you're Gentile. Any Gentile trespassing this barricade will have himself to blame for his death that shall soon follow. The temple, the temple where they, where they worshiped God, they had this. And it was just, it, was, it wasn't right. But then when the church hits the scene, man, it says, literally, it says, in Christ, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, the church is supposed to be welcoming. And, and that, that picture shows if, if you don't act like us, if you're not like us, you're not welcome to us. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where, uh, where your church background leads. Uh, maybe you had an experience in church where it was kind of a loving and welcoming atmosphere, but I realized that there are lots of people that don't have that same experience. That maybe you come to a, a church and you just you feel like you're judged. You're not wearing the right attire. You're you don't have your hair cut and and right and whatever you think. You walk in and you just feel like I just I don't feel welcome here. And you feel like that kid at school that you just like sat down on the table and then the girls come over and they're like um hey excuse me you're like sitting in my seat. You're like oh okay I'm sorry I'll uh, I'll get up. I just I'm sorry I didn't know this was your seat like. And, and at times, we, we come to a place like this, and we don't feel welcome. And, and I hope this, this morning, and as you continue spending time with us on Sunday mornings and just in the community of Venture, that you have a, a welcoming experience. Like, adventure, we have lots of goals. We, we, we try our best to be God-chasing, grace-shaped, and love agents. And that comes with all kinds of things. We, we want to seek God with all we have, and we want to be shaped by grace and say, don't let, don't let your past define you, but... The grace that God has given us that we talked about last week, that his love and his, and his mercy, let that define us. Because the truth is, is that we're all broken and we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and I hope that, that you can come to this place and feel welcomed. And you can bring the, the cracks on the surface and even the crisis at the core and say, be, let this be a place where you can just come and, and explore God and, and the thought of him. Maybe you're at a place that you're just like, man, I, just, I don't even know about God. And I want to let you know that we have a phrase we use as well, and it works well with this passage, is we try our best to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church. We realize that. We realize that it's a, it's a big thing for, for some churches to, to put up these walls, and I'm not judging them or, or looking at that. We're just, we're venture, and we're going to um, do the best we can to serve God and serve his people and reach more and more. Um, if you know me well at all, um, I'm going to give you a little little history on myself. I am a, I'm somewhat of a nerd at heart. I, uh, I love sci-fi and fantasy, like it, when it comes to movies, things like Inception and uh, uh, the one where the guy went to space. Clint, what's that one? Where the guy, Interstellar, that one. Yep, I couldn't remember the name. Think, movies like that, it's just like, that's like Clint's favorite movie. He's like, yep, I got you, dude. <laughs> um, I just, I love the whole sci-fi and, and fantasy thing. Just, and I also love the superhero universe. Any Marvel fans in the house? Woo-woo! Man, Marvel's what's up. DC, it's okay. Like, I like DC. Like, Batman's cool. But, man, there's something about X-Men and, like, the Avengers. It's, oh, superheroes. They're great. <laughs> there's something, this is getting even more nerdy. There's something about a good video game to me 
that I just have fun with. Like just diving into a, a good story or just the challenging aspect of it. I don't have as much time to play video games anymore. Um, but man, I uh, even more history. Here we go. Uh, back in high school and college, this is kind of embarrassing to say, I, I played probably on average three to four hours a day in a video game in high school and my first two years of college. Wow. I mean, yeah, for real. Like, I, looking back, I'm like, dude, Aaron, 16-year-old self, what are you doing? Like, get yourself together, man. But uh, it's, it's crazy to look back. And uh, it's not only that, like, okay, I, I made some friends, or actually, no, I'm friends like in Indiana. You know, you put on a headset, you get the, the game ready, and you're like, you're my friend, but not really my friend. You live in Indiana. We just play Halo together. Um, but it's, it's crazy to look back and, and see all that time I've spent playing those games and have nothing to show for it. I had like a sold Xbox and some profile that, that I thought I had some sense of pride in, and I wanted to be the best. Like in everything I did, especially just in every, anything I put my hands in, I just wanted to be the best and I just, I dove right into it. I wanted to be the best at any game I played. I wanted to be the best at any avenue I explored. And it's just crazy to look back and see that I have nothing to show for it. And Except for when I played World of Warcraft, I got this really sweet legendary Dragonrath staff from my mage. And man, it was sweet. It would turn you into a dragon and it would double your spell for free. It was like the coolest thing ever. All right, I'm sorry. Um, so what's crazy to think though is, uh, it was crazy to think though is that it's, uh, it's a normal for a lot of people. to, And, and not just video games, um, but just in life in general, we, when we get our hands in something, we... We want to dive right into it, and we invest so much time into things that just sometimes aren't worth it. Like, our, our, our community, our culture is just an entertainment-driven society. We're taped to our smartphones, we're seeking the next big thing, and it just becomes our new norm. Like, if that becomes our new norm, then we're just constantly seeking after the next thing, and it's crazy to think how our desire just shifts in an instant. Like, we're content with our iPhone 4S, or for you George users, the uh, S5 or whatever you have. Um, we're content with the 4S until the iPhone 5 comes out. And then it's like, uh, but that one's better. I got to have that. And we're good with our car, the 98 Honda Civic, whatever you have, until you see like a 2016 Corvette and you're like, dude, I got to get into medical school. What's that dude doing? And you try to pursue that. And then we're good with our TV until we walk into Best Buy, or I like, as I like to call impulse buy. And you walk in and you see all these TVs and you're like, dude, I need this TV. I need Samsung's new ultra supertastic smart curved HD TV that will eventually make me breakfast. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, guys. I'm, these, these things can be good in a time and place. But I think at times in our culture, we're, we're seeking the next big thing. And maybe it's not just uh, seeking the next big thing in entertainment but your crack on the surface that leads to the crisis of the core may not be entertainment, but in a relationship. You know, there's, there's something in, inside that you just keep painting over. And you're like, well, uh, we'll just wait it out. We just won't talk. It's okay. What's, what's wrong, honey? Nothing. No, it's okay. Just paint over. No, no big deal. And, and it, maybe it's with money. You know, in our culture, again, with entertainment, it's just we're a money-driven society. And how can I get more? How can I get more bang for my buck? How can I save money? How can I invest more? And... And at times, this can overwhelm us, and 
And it can really create a crisis at the core. And sometimes we need to take a look. We need to take a deep look at ourselves and say, is this worth it? Like, is, is it worth to, to feel the way we do and just continue to paint over it? C.S. Lewis has a, a really awesome quote that I'd like to share with you this morning. It says this, and C.S. Lewis, if we have ourselves, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Man, I, I thought that was so cool because, man, I'm being honest, like, I, I have, my crisis at the core is to seek after the next big thing. I want to be entertained. That's why I spend so many hours in video games and why I continue to spend more hours because it never filled me up. I just, I wanted more. I wanted more, I wanted more, I desired more, I wanted the next big thing. Like the Xbox was enough and then the next one comes out and you're like, I gotta have that one now. And the next one comes out, I gotta have that one now. That's what everybody's going to. And it just keeps, it's this monotonous turning and I just, I wanna encourage us as we continue on to just, Look at, at what's going on inside, and, and are we just painting over it? Are we really addressing what's going on inside? And let's go back to Ephesians. Um, Ephesians, we're going to skip to chapter 3. And twice in the book of Ephesians, um, Paul stops in his letter to pray. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and once in chapter 1, and then also in chapter 3. And he prays specifically for his reader. And um, what I'd like to do in this time actually is to say a prayer for us as we continue going. Um, so let me, let me pray for us. Father God, um, I'm thankful for who you are and um, your mercy and your love and your grace that you give me. And you, you invest in me. You, you, uh, you show me continually that, um, that you're good. God, I pray that this morning, as we continue learning about who you are through um, this writer Paul in the book of Ephesians, that we can, we can uh, address this crisis at our core, that we can stop painting over the cracks and, and get down to what really matters, like what is, what is worthy of our time, what is worthy of our affection. God, I pray that, that as I speak that your words, um, your words will move, that not my will but your will be done, God. My words are nothing but uh, clanging on a gong, but your words are truth, and they're powerful, and they're mighty. And so I just ask right now that, uh, that you just, uh, that you speak this morning, and uh, ask all these things in your name. Amen. Let's dive into Ephesians chapter 3. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth drives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high the deep and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, going back to, uh, to the times where I was just uh, investing in, in entertainment and the next big thing, looking back, I think the reason that we don't give God the time of day is because we don't think he's worth the time of day. Like we think that, that what's really worth the time of day is the things that we invest in. Like, take a look at your week. What are you investing in? What are you spending your time with? What are you spending your, your efforts, your money, your relationships with? And 
you'll find that where your treasures are, your heart is also. And maybe as we continue to, to move on this morning, that the, the crisis of the core could be addressed with Christ. Maybe we just don't know how loving and merciful God truly is. Now, I heard this, uh, this story once um, from my dad. It was um, a long time ago. I think it was like when I was 10. And um, I, I can't remember the context of it, but he told the story of, of this woman who um, just lost a relative, and the relative had uh, given her her, inherit, in her inheritance. It was a jewelry box full of all these uh, precious jewels and stuff. And so it was, it was her grandma's precious items. She didn't want to sell them or get rid of them, so she just tucked them away and put them in a box and uh, just kept it for a while. And then years later, um, she was in a tight spot. So she, she sold some of the jewels she had. It was a really sad moment, but she sold some of them and went to a pawn shop, got a good amount of money for them, but enough to get by and get by. And she continued to sell, and she, finally she had this one ring that caught her eye from her grandma. She said, I can't get rid of this. I can't. It's, it's too precious to me. I just, I got to hold on to it. And eventually she had to. She had to get rid of it. She took it to an a, a appraiser, and uh, the appraiser said that uh, this particular jewel, whatever was going on with it, was worth millions upon millions of dollars. And uh, to think that whole time in her drawer, like, that if she would have sold that jewel, she would have been taken care of. That whole time she was just sitting on it, didn't know what it was worth, didn't know what she actually had in her hands until she appraised it and was like, wow, this is worth so much money. And Paul speaks volumes to that of why we don't think God's worthy sometimes. Let's look back at verse 17. This is Paul. He says, I pray, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God has an infinite capacity for love. At the end of the day, we come home, whatever we come home to with three kids, five kids, a dog, whatever it is, you come home and maybe you're in a place where you come home and just, man, I'm spent. I make dinner, I relax for a little bit, it's sleep, repeat. And you're in this monotonous just rotation and sometimes you're just like, I'm drained and I just... I can't do it. I can't love anybody. I can't just take the time to invest. I just, I can't do it. And the wonderful thing that Paul points out here is that God's love is so big that it surpasses our knowledge. He has an infinite capacity for love. And at times, I think we need to be like Paul and we need to ask God to give us the power to understand because when we, when we have this entertainment-driven society or whatever is going on in front of you, relationships or money, when we have this in front of us, we don't see what God is really worth. We just see what's right in front of us. We see what's in here and now. We don't see that God truly is amazing. God truly is deep and wide, and his love surpasses all knowledge. Maybe we just need to be like Paul and just ask God to teach us and to show us how good he really is. And maybe then we can really see the crisis at the core is really a place that we need God to fix and not to fit something else in and stop trying to paint over the cracks. And when it comes to my ceiling, um, and I have two options. 
I could, uh, I could go to my service guys and I could say, hey, just, just paint over it. Dripping's not happening. It's okay. It'll be easier. You'll be in and out. And just keep going. And eventually, we'll just hope the dripping doesn't come back. We'll, we'll hope that it doesn't keep uh, dripping down and make a huge puddle and drop through the ceiling. Because eventually, that probably will happen if you keep painting over it. Or I can call the service people and tell them, hey, the leak is back. And it's time to actually start getting in there and getting it fixed. And painting over it is only going to temporarily solve the problem. Um, for me personally, um, I mean, diving into the next source of entertainment is not going to solve anything for me. I mean, that's, that's for me. I know other people have different situations, but it's only going to be a quick fix until the next thing comes. And then my situation just isn't good enough anymore. I need more. I need more. I need more. And I hope that this truth, this time that I've gotten to share with you this morning has, has been something to open your eyes to and, uh, and just help us as we continue on this journey through this battleground in life. And um, the truth is, is uh, I don't get to, to speak often like this. I'm, uh, I'm normally here with, with a guitar and, and singing and um, I lead a small group and I, I enjoy sharing um, what God is teaching me in life. Um, and I just, my, my hope and prayer is, is that um, you see that, that God truly is deep and wide and that he has an infinite capacity for love. And that you may think that, well, I've done too much. Like, God, that's too much for God to forgive. Or, uh, man, I just, I just don't, he, he can't do, no, he can't do anything with that. No, I just, I'll ignore him. With his infinite capacity, he wants to help you. He wants to address the crisis of the core. He wants you to be whole. Looking back at verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God has a full love to him. He has a, he has a deep and long and high and wide love that he wants to give to you, free of charge. He's not begging you, saying, here, take and eat. Here, here's my body. Here, I have died for you. I've risen from the grave for you. Please just, I've been there. Like, I created the universe. I was there when it all began. And I'm going to be there when it all ends. Here, please, let me show you the way. Here, please, let me show you that there's a better life than what you're living. Please, let me show you that that relationship is not going to solve that hole. And it's not going to fill it up. Please, let me show you that my grace is sufficient. That my love can endure that my grace is forever and it's eternal. Guys, let's stop painting over the cracks. Let's look at the core of who we are. Let's dive deep. Because I think if, if we're scared to look deeply at who we are, we're always going to be scared to look deeply at who God is. God wants to show himself to you and you just have to let him through the cracks. And uh, i just like to pray for you guys as we continue on this morning. God, I, uh, I'm not worthy of standing on the stage. <laughs> God, you've given me everything I, I can ever imagine. You've blessed me with so much. And God, I just ask that you open up my eyes. You open up my eyes to see who you really are, that, that you're rich in mercy and love, and that you're worth my time and efforts. God, help me to understand that, that my time here on earth is finite and that I just, I need to spend time investing in you and, and who you are and showing people that your love is enough, your grace is enough, that it, this crisis in our core that we just keep ignoring or shoving under the rug, 
that it's going to keep coming back and it's going to get worse and worse and eventually it's going to break through and create more than what it could have been. And God, I just ask that, that you just uh, show yourself to us, that you, you teach us about who you are as we continue learning in this community. I thank you for the place that we could come safely with open arms. I thank you that your kingdom is wide and accepting. And I pray that as a church, we can just come together and say, all right, what's going on in your life? What are you painting over? Let's, let's address that together. Let's, let's meet that together. Let's take it to God. Because God, your grace is sufficient. You are enough for us. And I ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.